Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Stocks have been on a tear, moving higher in a lot of sectors, a lot of areas, and many economists believe we are heading for a soft landing. But is there anything that could derail this rally? I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. All right, let's bring on Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. Jim, always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. Always good to join you, Andy. Give the Gaines listener that little special offer <laughs> that is available yeah. to them. All right, yeah. uh, because of for faithful uh, Gaines podcast listeners, I'm happy to send the August Macrotides, which literally went out the door about, uh, well, I didn't go out the door. Uh, it went obviously electronically out the door uh, two hours ago. So I, I think you'll find it of interest, a review, you know, what's going on with the economy, monetary policy, inflation. In other words, some of the stuff that you and I, I know are going to talk about, but in greater detail. So all they have to do is send an email to jimwelshmacro at Gmail, and I'm happy to send that out. And I'll probably, you know, send some additional information along with it, Andy. And that's Jim Welsh spelled? W-E-L-S-H. All right. So uh, since the last time we spoke, Jim, the Dow theory has turned bullish and the markets continue to march higher. Now, I know you have a, a, a different take on markets with both a technical and fundamental look. And uh, that's where I want us to start today. Jim, what are you seeing? Well, uh, my expectation was that the, you know, months ago that the S&P was going to trade above 4200 get back towards the August high of last year, which was 4325. Uh, in early July, I kind of increased the target to 4520. Uh, the S&P's gotten a little bit above that. It spiked to 4607 last Thursday. So what I'm seeing, though, Andy, is sentiment has shifted considerably from earlier this year when a lot of people were worried about the economy, worried about the regional bank problem, uh, and net result is obviously the regional bank problem kind of went away fairly quickly. Uh, economic reports have continued to come in uh, better than expected. And as you know, last year when many were calling for a recession, I was in the camp of no recession last year, no recession in the first half of this year. So where I am now is that I think some of the most reliable recession indicators, which many people are familiar with, but aren't familiar with the lead time. In other words, the inverted yield curve. Everyone knows going back the last 50, 60 years, an inversion in the yield curve 
has, uh, you know, preceded recessions. What a lot of people don't know is the average lead time is 19 months. So what that hap- what happened last year, Andy, is when the yield curve inverted last July, many people thought, oh, my gosh, by early of, you know, 2023, we're going to be in a recession without incorporating that lead time. So that suggests late this year, lending standards have increased significantly over the last six, nine months. Again, that's a lag of about nine months, so it points to late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, and lastly, leading economic indicators uh, at about a nine-month lead time. So all these long-term reliable recession indicators, Andy, are suggesting that between now and year end, we're going to see a very marked slowdown in the economy, and I think potentially by the time we get into early next year, a recession. So the point being is the market psychology has gone through a 180-degree shift. Everyone was worried about recession. Now very few are worried about a recession just at the time when concern should be rising that we you know, are going to be flirting with the recession before the end of the year. So what that suggests to me, Andy, is that the market is stretched. I'm looking for a 5 to 7% pullback. The nature of that pullback will tell us a lot in terms of uh, whether we'll see a resumption in the rally or whether you know, economic data starts to come in sooner rather than later showing the economy slowing down. So a lot of it, it's you know, kind of up in the air. I have no doubt we're going to see something close to recession. It isn't a question of if that's going to happen, Andy. It's when. So the timing of this data coming in showing that things are really slowing, if it, posts, if it lasts until, like, you know, November of this year, that would allow the market time to have a 5 to 7% pullback and then another pretty good rally. So that's the only thing that to me is, you know, kind of, in my mind, unclear. And it's all going to be dependent on uh, how quickly we see evidence that the economy indeed is slowing more than people expect. Following the Dow theory, even though you're talking about a five, maybe seven, eight percent pullback, as far as Dow theorists believe that this is an opportunity to buy stocks cheaper in what is ultimately still a bull market. Do you agree with that? I'm on the fence, you know, from a standpoint that fundamentally, I think the odds are the economy is going to slow uh, fairly sharply. Uh, Recession may not actually kick in until early next year. But the premise of the market rally was a year ago, people positioned themselves for a recession incorrectly. And then as that was proven uh, true that, no, we're not going to have a recession. We've seen positioning go from being underinvested to now fully invested or more than fully invested. And as that shift took place, Andy, that lifted, obviously, stock prices. So the litmus test is going to be whether or not the economy uh, slows as much as I think uh, is likely uh, and we really won't know that for a, no- a number of months. The, at the same time, the Dow theory, the advanced decline line, has just made a higher high relative to the, the last 12 months of trading. So market breadth has improved, uh, and you know that can that is a bullish sign. So the nature, as I said before, the next decline will be important. If the S&P declines in a five wave, and I know this is maybe a little wonky, but 
historically, uh, five wave declines get you additional weakness. Whereas if the S&P just pulls back in a down, up, down pattern, so it's a correction, well, that still supports that the major trend is up. So I think we're at an inflection point where we're going to see a pullback of 5 to 7%. And if the S&P pulls back in a three-wave ABC pullback, then I think the Dow theory, the signs from the advanced decline line, uh, are constructive, and we'll see the S&P march to a higher high. If it's a five-wave decline on the S&P, then I think that is going to suggest more uh, selling, uh, you know, following any kind of a bounce after that kind of decline. So for me, I'm at a point where it's like, all right, the market has shown enough strength that I have to acknowledge and respect that. At the same time, um, I'm a contrarian. A year ago, a lot of people were worried about a recession, even in the first part of this year. I wasn't in that camp. Now everybody else is in the camp that, ah, we don't have to worry about a recession anymore. And I'm in the camp that says, you know what, now the window of time of risk of a you know, big slowing potential recession, we're just entering into that window of time. So we'll see. As I said, in my mind, it's not a question of if we have a big slowdown in the economy. It's when. And the longer that gets pushed back, it will create a you know, window of time where the market has a pullback and then pushes up again. And I just honestly, we'll see what happens. Um, there are some things that, again, in terms of the pullback, we can kind of talk about that if you'd well, like. Well, and, and be specific on, you know, we're talking S&P 500 levels yep. here. Be yep. specific on the levels that you're watching that you find that are, are critical at this yeah. point to keep an eye on. Well, the high last August was 43.25. Uh, so to me, immediately, that becomes a target for a pullback, that the S&P will pull back plus or minus a little bit above that 43.25. 4,200 is, a, in a sense, a more important number, Andy, because the market struggled to get above that uh, in the springtime. So those are the two key important levels. The, the thing that I'm paying attention to is the Bank of Japan last Thursday increased the ceiling for the 10-year Japanese government bond yield. So their policy rate is at minus 0.1. The Fed is at five and a quarter. The ECB is up above 4%. So as every other central bank increased their policy rates, the Bank of Japan just held theirs at basically zero. But they did increase the ceiling rate from 0.5% which they put in place last December, to 1%. So we're in a global bond market. And my view was that if, the, uh, if I'm a bond trader in Japan, I work for an insurance company, am I going to buy uh, Japanese 10-year bonds uh, if they're yielding 0.5, 0.6? No. I'm going to wait until it gets up to 0.9 or so. If I'm a holder of Japanese bonds, I'm going to be inclined to think, you know what, <laughs> there's a good chance those yields are going to go up another 40 to 50 basis points, which means I'm going to have some losses. So you're going to see some selling. And then, you know, for those who have an international bent, am I going to buy U.S. Treasuries if I think Japanese bond yields are going to go up 40 to 50 basis points? I don't think so. The yen is going down. So the yen carry trade, uh, which has been, uh, you know, kind of a, a driver of 
investment speculation. In other words, borrow at 0% in Japan, convert it to dollars, and now you can buy stuff with very low cost of financing. Well, the yen is going down, and uh, which is okay, but yields going up, that's going to be potentially problematic. So the point I made in my letter yesterday was that last Thursday we saw the Japanese announce this. The 10-year Treasury yield popped above 4%. The S&P and the other major market averages had a key reversal. They made a higher high and a lower low and closed down on much higher volume. So my thought was I think uh, the 10-year yield in Japan is going to continue to march higher, and if it does, we're going to see the 10-year Treasury yield rise as well and potentially move up to 409 or higher. Today, what happened, the 10-year Treasury yield was up nine basis points, I think 405. So the chart on the 10-year looks like yields are, you know, the path of least resistance is up. So um, that's one of the reasons why I think the market is vulnerable to a pullback, because as we saw last year, the mega cap stocks are vulnerable to higher uh, 10-year Treasury yields. That was one of the drivers that, you know, hammered them last year. The 10-year keeps pushing higher, especially if it gets above 410. Andy, I think that's going to bring selling pressure into the equity market. Okay, we'll be right back with Jim. We're going to take a quick break. Be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gaines episode drops. We drop Gaines episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, back with Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Macrotides.com in San Diego. Well, Jim, beyond the technicals, you also look at the fundamentals. And I'm thinking jobs market and also inflation. We're seeing a, a bit of cooling there, but certainly not where it needs to be. So give us your take on the economy and the data that's coming in and what specifically you're looking for going forward. Well, last October, I was talking about that we would see a big decline in CPI inflation. It was around 8%, 8.5% last October. I thought we could see potentially something under 35 by June. In fact, it got down to 3%. Uh, coming months are going to be a little more problematic. Um, the takeaway value for July of last year is basically zero. We've seen energy prices uh, oil up about 15% in the month of uh, July. Gas prices are up a chunk. So I think potentially what we're going to see, Andy, is when the July CPI comes out in mid-August, it's going to go from 3% to 3.2%, 3.3%. Not the end of the world, but obviously the market has been feasting on good inflation news since last October. And I think that gets dented a little bit. So uh, that is, I think, again, will that it will that, imp, you know, impact Fed policy or to the point where it will impact Fed policy at all? Current no, Fed policy. I don't think it will. Uh, at the same time, 
markets may begin to think, oh, maybe the Fed will raise the funds rate again at the September meeting. You know, so it's not a I think the Fed has gotten the funds rate to a level that is somewhat restrictive. And Powell and company have repeatedly said all last year, we don't want to make the mistakes of the 1970s. You and I have talked about this. In the 1970s, the Fed back then just kept jacking the funds rate up until the economy, you know, cratered into a recession, which then forced the Fed to turn around and cut rates significantly. And so inflation never was really squeezed out of the economy. And the net result, it kept making higher highs in the 1970s until it got to, I don't know, 15 percent or whatever it was in 1981. So I think the Fed wants to get it tight, but not too tight, and then hold it there. So slowly but surely, the economy slows down. The thing I'll point out is the Fed expects the fund, the uh, unemployment rate to get to four and a half percent. It's, I think, at three point six. Anytime the unemployment rate's gone up by more than 0.5%, there's been a recession. And the biggest declines, the most lasting declines in inflation, have occurred during a recession. So the Fed is attempting to create a soft landing. It's just threading a needle very hard. Uh, one thing I've, I've talked about in the past, uh, Chair Powell a year ago, and he continues to talk about, well, I still think we could do a soft landing. And he cited 1965, 1984, 1995. Those were three years where the Fed increased the funds rate a lot, Andy, but we didn't have a recession. The one missing thing in those years was lending standards weren't increased. So banks back in those years didn't tighten credit aggressively. Well, what do we know that's happened over the last uh, year? Uh, as of yesterday, the new lending survey came out. Over 50% of the banks uh, have increased their lending standards, and 67% of the banks have increased the spread. So if you're a small business a year ago, you might have paid 2% over prime. Well, now prime is up 350 to 400 basis points, and you're going to have to pay more than 2% above that. So the squeeze from lending standards is gradual. You know, in other words, the banks increased lending standards a lot late last year. But if I have a loan that doesn't come due until September, it, I haven't noticed it. But when my no, loan comes due in September, it's going to be like, whoa, all of a sudden i got to pay that much more. And then potentially, depending on the strength of my small business, the bank may say, you know, Harvey, you've had a line of credit of half a million. We're going to cut that back to 450 or 400. So that's the corrosive effect on economic activity that comes from higher lending standards, tighter credit. Um, so in those years that Powell cited where there wasn't a recession despite big increases in the funds rate, banks didn't increase lending standards. But this year, they've increased them significantly. Whenever that number, that percent has gotten above 20 to 25 percent, Andy, we've always had a recession. But you were talking about the inverted yield curve and th yep. this speaks to it takes time for yep. all of this stuff to play out and unfortunately last year so many people you know you had a great uh, you know head fake the first two quarters of last year gdp was negative and you know it's been a thumbnail that you could say hey two consecutive quarters of negative gdp is always associated with recession that is a true statement I mean, 95% of the time it's right, right? But there were a lot of reasons why 
there weren't, wasn't a recession. Gross domestic income was growing in the first half of last year. So it was offering a different view of the economy. Job growth was north of 350000 per month in the, you know, in the first half of uh, last year. So those are some of the reasons I pointed to, no, we're not in a recession, folks. One's not happening. Now, interesting, Andy, a lot of people were heartened with the first blush at uh, second quarter GDP, up 2.4%, up from 2%. Oh, wow, the economy's accelerating. Well, in reality, consumer spending, which is 70% of GDP, slowed from 4.2% in the first quarter to one6 So, in other words, consumers ratcheted down their spending. Back-to-school spending is going to be negative this year for the first time since 2014. So within that GDP report, there are hints that mm, things are maybe slowing down a little bit, um, and yet people aren't paying attention to that. Gross domestic income was negative in the fourth quarter of last year and first quarter of this year. Uh, the, the number for uh, the second quarter won't come out for another few weeks. So my point is gross domestic income uh, is pointing the way toward less spending, less demand, uh, a weaker economy, and almost no one is – very few people are paying attention to gross domestic income. Um, so those are the reasons – some of the reasons why I didn't think there was going to be a recession last year, and those are also the reasons why I think you know, a slowdown is coming um, you know, between now and year end. Well, inflation has eaten up some of the savings that we had talked about before. Oh, yeah. And you talk about a kind of a bit of slowdown in, spendings, in spending. But the jobs market so far has held up fairly well, though we're even seeing a bit of cooling there. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. The jolt survey, uh, quit ratio. I mean, some of the symptoms of an extraordinarily tight labor market are starting to ease. At the same time, the unemployment rate's at 3.6. Uh, the uh, labor costs. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact number. It came out last week. The employment cost index, I think, was up 4.1% or something. But the, the, the thing that has to be framed with this, Andy, is productivity growth has been negative. So it would be one thing if, if labor costs were up 4.1% and product, productivity was up 2%. Well, wait a second. That's 2% inflation. That's exactly what the Fed wants. Instead, productivity growth, I think, has been negative by around 2%. So from the Fed's point of view, you've got the unemployment rate near a 50-year low, and unemployment and productivity is in the tank. So inflationary pressures um, are still existent, even though some of the headline numbers like CPI have dropped a lot. And those are the things I think the Fed is looking at and why, at the first signs of slowing in the economy, they're not going to cut the funds rate uh, with unemployment under 4%. I, it's just not going to happen. So that, to me, is the, the challenge, is at some point in time, if I'm right, we're going to see more pronounced slowing in the economy show up, and the Fed isn't going to cave in. And the reason is, you know, in years past they could because inflation was hovering around 2%. Um, that's not where it is now. That's not where it's going to be in the next six months. So the Fed is going to hold the line for a while. And I think that's when the market potentially is going to be vulnerable. Again, the whole rally has been predicated on, oh, thank God. We thought we were going to have a recession. Now we don't have to worry about it. Uh, So if all of a sudden people are confronted with data points that say, well, wait a second, maybe I was wrong. Maybe a recession might happen. That's a completely different environment uh, for the stock market. I think that's coming. It's just a question of when. 
And then finally, how does the Gaines listener play this right now? Well, I think lightening up here, I think, makes sense Um, because I do think there's at least a five to seven percent correction. At some point in time, if a recession shows up, the markets could go down, you know, 20 percent or more. Um, So I I think that's what's out there on the horizon. But your data, your data dependent on that kind of scenario. Yeah. And I think that, again, these indicators that have been extraordinarily reliable recession indicators, that's what they're saying is coming. What we don't know is, hey, when will savings uh, run out? Uh, you know, when will we start to see companies? They've already started to cut costs. Um, but as interest expense starts to take a bigger bite out of cash flow, a lot of small and medium-sized businesses that are dependent on banks for lending are going to be forced, Andy, to figure out ways to cut costs more. Uh, hours worked have declined significantly over the last 18 months. Overtime has been whittled down. So we're at that point where, you know, employers will be kind of pushed toward, I'm going to have to let some people go. You know, the initial thing is obviously job growth will slow and slow materially. Um, all that is coming. Um, I, in my mind, I have no doubt that that's what's coming. It's just a question of does it happen within the next uh, two to three months or is it going to take us six months before some of these data points uh, really confirm that that is the direction that the economy is headed? What kind of vehicle can we use to get a little cover? You talked about lightening yeah. up on in certain areas and, and lightening the load a bit, but as far as a, a move that could give us a little cover as well. If I'm right, um, I think gold is going to decline towards 1850, uh, maybe a touch below that. I think gold would be worth buying uh, because I think what comes next as we get later this year into next year, I think gold is going to go well above 2000. So technically that to me, what the chart of gold looks like, I would be looking to buy TLT, which is the long-term treasury ETF. Um, you know, I think potentially in the short term, as I talked about earlier, that yields are going to go up, but I think TLT I think it closed at 98, 99 or so today. I'm going to be looking to look to buy it. Maybe it's 96, 97. I have no idea. Right now, all I know is that I think the trend is down. But that, I think, is something to really monitor because if I'm right and we see a recession develop, at a minimum, TLT has the potential to rally back to 109. That was the high uh, earlier uh, this year and potentially up to 115, 117 while you'd be collecting, you know, some decent income while all that is unfolding. So to me, those are the two things I'm paying attention to. I think technology stocks are extended. They're going to be more vulnerable in any kind of a correction in the overall market. Um, They went up more. Guess what? They go down more when the market corrects. So I think that pattern will play out as well. And I got your newsletter, as we mentioned at the top of this a couple hours ago. It covers a lot of the stuff we talked about today today. So uh, as we finish up here, give the Gaines listener that opportunity to get their hands on that analysis. Send an email, Jim Welsh Macro at Gmail, and I'll send you uh, the August Macro Tides. Big thanks to Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager for MacroTides.com out of San Diego. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, 
leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If that's an option for you, I've been told that's podcast gold. Totally appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday morning, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.